1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me as always is my good buddy, David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? I'm well. How about yourself? Not bad. Clearly, we are in the same room together, so we are recording this on the last evening of our little uh, journey to Atlanta, Georgia, to see the Moricans play. Uh, we've just come back from that. Uh fantastic evening, if I do say so myself.
2: It was. It was. Uh, we got some deep cuts. Exit. C- Wait guilty. Did. Send me an omen. Yeah, send me an omen. Uh, Tennessee ten, Mud. Ten years gone. Ten years gone. A killer rendition of "Can't You Hear Me Knocking" to uh, close close the run out. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, an evening for the
1: diehards. The first evening though did have some deep cuts as well, but there was a few more hits in the mix. Uh, it was a bigger crowd on the first evening. Yeah, Because they had said that the, uh, the you know the club owner said that uh, for some reason Saturday night lags a little bit.
2: But they had a they had a good turnout and the best rendition of stop kicking my heart around i've ever heard. Yes. With a with a female singing it. Yes, Sherry. No, Sherry, not Seth. She killed
1: it. She did. Absolutely great. Yeah,
2: yeah, so if you're in the uh the northeast and these guys are playing, i highly suggest going to see them. Yes, yeah, primarily based out of the uh, Boston area,
1: but uh you know, they're going to be traveling around and uh you know, you can't keep something this good strictly to the northeast for long, so to definitely see them when they're in your area. Yep,
2: hopefully uh they're going to be traveling more. Yeah.
1: So, uh, big news recently, Uh, Mr. Sven Pippian invited back into the fold for the Summer Black Crows Tour. It's pretty exciting, huh?
2: Could not be happier for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh,
1: obviously, just had him on. One of our best guests. Second most downloaded. Yeah, yeah. Quickly became one of our top episodes, and uh, I couldn't be happier for the guy. I really couldn't. Uh, A sweetheart of a guy deserves the gig,
2: deserves good things. I think it's good for everybody involved. Yeah,
1: and I really think it um, perhaps swayed a few more people back to uh, hitting the shows this summer. I bought two tickets. Yeah, I mean, I had my tickets from when I first bought them, but uh, definitely uh, a shade more excited about it now that uh, Sven's back, you know?
2: Yeah, it's going to be great, and you got him on vocals as well. Yeah. I mean, his backing vocals are integral to the sound of, of, of that band, and just... From a personal standpoint, it's good to see him get back with the brothers. You know, it's uh, it'd
1: be interesting to see if any other uh, last-minute lineup changes are made or if everything goes ahead as it was before, just with
2: uh, Sven added in. Yeah, Sven, Sven's great, and as always, I want the, the Black Crows to succeed, and I want this tour to do well, and I want them to put out some new music, and I want them to tour again, and I would love for them to do a Southern Harmony tour. Yeah, that would
1: be fantastic. Uh, you know, fingers crossed on that one. As far as new music goes, I mean, you've we've heard a few things in in some recent articles that they've been working on some stuff with George Draculius, so that should be cool.
2: And we have a a future guest that we've already interviewed that'll be out a couple episodes that uh, knows a little bit about it. Yeah. So uh, things to
1: look forward to, right? Yeah. Speaking of looking forward to things, we've uh, we've had this uh, segment ready for a little bit here and. Finally, going to be able to uh, release it. Another one of our Steve's Picks series, in keeping with uh, the Americans' theme.
2: The highly rated Steve's
1: Picks. That's right, Mr. Steve Gleason, bass player for the Americans, breaks down uh, a nice bootleg with us. You know, an ongoing series that's uh, already gained some popularity. Always look forward to doing one of those. But this one is kind of a uh, an abridged version of what we did, and then uh, you know the full version will be available separately if everybody wants to hear each track. But it was such a long set. You know, just time-wise, we had to kind of do a greatest hits of the set, right? Yeah, it would have been its own episode. Yeah, so uh, you know, there'll be details on how to get the uh, you know the full show breakdown, uh, you know, following this episode's release.
0: And now it's time for Steve's picks with special guest Steve Gleason of the Americans
3: all right first uh you can find this show uh if you want to download it and pay for it and give the band a little cash Mm -hmm. uh you can find this on nugs.net or i think if you pop in liveblackrose.com it still works and redirects you there I think the MP3 is five bucks. Well worth it. This is uh, Cleveland in the fall of 96. This is uh, October 13th, 1996. So this is a Saturday night rock show. For me, the fall of 96 is really the zenith of the band. Uh, taking nothing away from 5 06. I saw like 30 of those shows. I loved them. They were amazing. But I really feel that that October 96 is like the clear winner for months in the in the crows um, in the crows life, they're touring new material and they're young. And this is a great example of of what went on that month. You know, this is a really uh, well constructed show. It's it's an interesting show for for lots of reasons. The sequencing and uh, the particular mix Ed's real high in the mix, so you can hear a lot of what he's doing normally underneath is kind of a little bit up front. Um, and I think it's uh, one of those shows that's it has a little
1: bit of something for everybody. I think this this show you picked is is a particularly great one. I really enjoyed revisiting this one.
2: Yeah, it was. It, I, I agree. Ed is really high in the mix on it. Yes, um, which is which is really cool because you get to hear some of those parts that in other time other recordings are still in the uh, in the background. I do think well, the well, first thing that pops out to me is opening with "Share the Ride" and Mellow Down Easy." <sighs> I don't remember that combo opening a lot of shows. Do you guys? No, no,
3: not at all. I think uh, Share the Ride's really a fun uh, communal tune, right? I, I uh, think the opening uh, riff, you know, bam, bam, ba, kind of makes it ideal as an opener, you know? It kind of winds its way in. Uh, in my mind, when they start with uh, Share the Ride, the only real worry here is what are they going to connect it to? You know, that's my first worry. I'm always hoping against Downtown Money Waster. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm all set with Downtown Money Waster. I have no idea how like Tied Up and Swallowed or Exit or Title Song doesn't make a marca, but Downtown Money Waster does. You know, it's, exas- <laughs> it's exasperating. Anyways, a fun version of Share the Ride. And then Mellow Down Easy, uh, I don't know how you guys feel. I don't know. It's cool, I guess, but I would never want this uh over an album track i just wouldn't i do love what ed's doing in it and uh for me that's all that's really memorable here this is kind of a sloggy start to the show in my mind
1: is like the combination of share the ride into mellow down easy because i think the two songs fit together really well to me it's almost like uh ballad wiser and times like i really just like them together
2: another thing that sticks out to me it's an oddly paced show in the in the middle they get all the jamming out of the way with like thorn's progress thorn in my pride ballad and urgency and wiser time and they get all those jams in and then come back out and get real tight with uh she gave good sunflower but that's the only thing, that if I had to knock the show, is I wish they would have spread those out a little bit more. What do you guys think?
3: Like I said, it's an oddly constructed show. But I think it's got super highs in it. And, and some real lows. I just think in this particular case, it starts low. Like uh, the next tune that comes out is Blackberry, right? So for me, I do love Three Snakes, you know. Uh, but this is a really, really divisive song they only really played it on this tour you won't find a lot of them playing it outside of this tour know if they liked it that much you know we play it in the band i i I like the uh lovi you know i like that part um i guess that's a chorus but i I don't like the bridge in general but here the the guitar and the piano are extended which is kind of cool but the jam kind of doesn't go anywhere and then they kind of abandon ship and come back
2: in you know it's just an oddly placed tune steve we go through that and we go to a a pretty rocking thorns progress i think Thorn should
3: always. Thorn's progress should always be played, in some fashion, before Thorn. And this version's ferocious. This is really why I picked the the bootleg. <laughs> When Rich comes in with that like staccato riff and Steve starts hitting the toms and building it, uh, and here tonight on this particular one, they're really feeling it, right? Has there ever been a mediocre version of this? I don't think so, as Dr. Evil would say. How about no,
1: (laughs) never, never. This is this is like my favorite jam, you know, they do always kind of all or nothing with this. You know, they never kind of just phone this one in ever.
3: No, it's never half-assed. It's always, always big. And yeah, I love it. And you know, the thorn is really good. You know, Mark, his tone on this is just ungodly good. It's his best moment all night. The energy is really great. And Chris extends the harmonica jam a little bit. And like that middle part, I think we've all heard it so many times that it's like, all right, can we do something different with this? But whatever, it's thorn in my pride, you know, I just think one of the great, great moments in music in general of any, any genre, any band, is that, that Ed Piano solo before they go back into the chorus that's all gospelly beautiful, right? You know, it's just so fantastic.
2: It's all the reasons we love this band, you know. And that leads us into a title song. And when you pick this show, Steve, uh, I was reading in the comments and stuff, a lot of people think this is a top two or three version of a title song
3: yeah i mean now we're really talking you know is this the best of the b-side Instead of downtown money waster, honest to God. But uh, this particular version, you know, Ed's organ and Mark's phrasing, it just makes this tune for me. This is this is serious business here. This is one of those songs that's very Chris dominant. When he's feeling it and hitting the the top end and phrasing this correctly, this is this is all time good. You know, the tone Mark gets on this tune is just so impossibly
1: dark. I always kind of forget how much i how thrilling it is to hear the beginning of title song until it actually pops up in a set list like whoa, oh, you know it really is one of those unreleased gems that you if you've heard it in concert you're you're quite lucky i think
2: well it's kind of like uh your time is going to come that organ mm. intro like you know what's you know what's coming and you got the you got the slow build the next one is one, No Speak No Slave, an amazing al- amazing concert opener, an amazing last song of the set, and an amazing closer. You, there's nowhere this doesn't fit. And it's, it, the Crows have a lot of songs like that. I love the build up at the beginning, Steve hitting the cymbals the way he does. This is one of my favorite songs to see live every time, regardless of who's in the band.
3: Yeah, if you don't like this song, you don't like the Black Crows. I personally think like the 92 versions are absolutely untouchable. Right, I oh, just think the, the power when, when they
2: when they would open the Highs of the Moon tour. Oh yeah, yeah, uh,
3: those are untouchable. It's but, it's
2: it's the raw- rawest energy they've ever had.
3: Oh, absolutely, it's like nineteen seventy two Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but uh, but this one is really it's it's really pretty good. me that wassail that kicks all over the car you can hear out of, the, out of the left speaker is just great but on this he i think he gets lost at the beginning of it and has a hard time finding his way back into it and which is a shame because the rest of the band is murdering it like i love playing this song because that that while the uh the soul is going on that counter melody underneath it that's like dan dan i love that that little counter melody—if you've never noticed it before—it's it's dynamite. This is a barn burner, and uh, yeah, yeah, this is like you know, put the kids to bed kind of tune. Love, love, no speak.
2: Which leads us into Big Time, which is a uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse song, and I've always found it interesting about this—they started playing this a few weeks after this album came out, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it also shows that they just were always searching for new music. It's a top five Black Crows cover.
3: Yeah, Hall of Fame cover for me, uh, another tune that they absolutely own. Because, look, I love Neil. And I saw this tour with Neil, and he played this uh, at Great Woods. But this is a tour de force of vibe from Chris. And, uh, you know, I love the middle-aged melancholy that it describes. I just do. I'm going through it right now. I was at the Magpie in Beverly two years ago when they broke this out at the suggestion of Jim Galvin. And uh, that's about the happiest I've been in a while. (laughs) I I love big time. Always welcome.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing that in the Magpie set list and going, oh, my God, they brought that back. That's fantastic. But, I mean, David is absolutely correct. The fact that they covered this so soon after Neil's record came out and covered it so flawlessly, which means they must have really been into it. I love it. I always love this. I also thought, you know, speaking of the Magpie, I thought it was great that the Magpie would would come to cover uh Loose Change off of that same album, which I thought was a great tune as well. But yeah, this is one of those covers you're envious of if somebody if you if you know somebody that got to see this It live. just
2: it just has this great like floating quality to it. Like you just feel like you're floating with those guitar riffs, you know. Yeah, the, it's great. Yeah, I, yeah it's, if you don't own Broken Arrow, uh
3: Neil's Broken Arrow, please go out and buy it today
2: so we wrap it up with twice as hard which is probably my favorite song off of uh, shake your money maker this is another song you can open with and close with uh, steve's blah. not a fan
3: yeah blah. <laughs> um i'm never that happy to hear this so the greatest set list ever in my mind is probably um the night before new year's in providence in 05 I was next to the soundboard for that show and I could see what was coming. I could see the set list and the last, the, the the encore was supposed to be coming home, which I adore. And, uh, the crowd was really good and we got twice as hard instead. And I was like, huh, really? And so that's kind of how I feel about this too. And I mean, look, the, the version's good, you know, it's perfunctory. I just don't feel,
1: you know. Let me ask you though, would you prefer it? in the opening slot instead do you think does it work yes. better there
2: yeah i don't want it last i just love how they always end it you know it comes to an abrupt stop well steve uh as always steve picks is a big hit this is volume number two there'll be many more volumes if i may influence
1: your next selection steve maybe something uh, from the 05 era perhaps yeah absolutely uh, i've got
2: something on deck all right steve as always we'll look forward to the next edition thanks guys so another fantastic steve's picks wouldn't you say oh always always and steve's got more shows picked out and so we're gonna try to every every other month or so have him on and do a show yeah i don't want
1: to jump the gun and say what the next one's going to be because i know he's got quite a few in the chamber that he's interested in doing right. so but every he always picks a good one so we we'll look forward to doing the next one this week though very special guest I recorded this a little bit back and uh, been delayed for various uh, reasons, but very excited to uh, speak with this gentleman Brando host of the uh, appetite for distortion podcast Very big guns and roses podcast very similar in mindset to what we do here And you know he goes through the same trials and tribulations of getting guests and things like that. So uh, he's a kindred spirit. Yes, exactly and uh, Pleasure to have him on it was really great talking with him. Hopefully we'll do something again with him in the future
2: yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was fun to talk to. He has a great podcast. To be honest, it probably seems like we're kind of copying his format, yeah. but we weren't aware of him until you know four or five months ago.
1: Yeah, you uh, you introduced me to the podcast, and I, I didn't know anything about it. Unfortunately, up until up until then. It does seem like we kind of copped his format.
2: I swear we didn't. <laughs> and you'll hear him say in the interview, like, he just, it's kind of like us sometimes. We have to find a connection to the Crows and have them on. And he, he gets a little liberal with the connections to Guns N' Roses and, and has, you know, he's had Dave Mustaine on. He's had uh, Head from Corn, um, yeah. uh, Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden. Oh, nice. I didn't know about that one. That's yeah. great. I will
1: always feel forever guilty though that Mark Ford dropped that guns and roses nugget on our podcast as opposed to his. I think he's a little sore about it. Uh, yeah, I understandably, but uh I didn't I p I I never saw that coming from Mark, so you know.
2: But yeah, his uh his podcast is called Appetite for Distortion and I think he puts out one a week. And I think he's into like two hundred and fifty, three hundred episodes.
1: Yeah, I mean definitely check that out. Folks, we'll put some links up, and uh, but it's definitely uh, if you're into music, uh, you know whether and or not you're super big into Guns N' Roses. Or and not. there's
2: a little bit of an uh, overlap between the two bands. You had uh, Izzy, Mark Ford playing on Izzy's album, right. credited, yeah. and then you know both those bands came of age around the same time. And according to Steve Gorman, uh, the Crows were asked to open the Guns N' Roses and Metallica tour, and decided to go do High as the Moon. Yeah, I mean. Uh, there definitely is some, uh, some well, and crossing then, over. And then Steve played with uh, Slash and Duff in L.A. Yeah, Steve th- was kind of in the embryonic version of Velvet Revolver. And I think if I remember correctly, he said they got the call that the Crows were getting back. Yeah. So, so there's there's overlap there, and the bands share some similarities musically. Yeah. You know, especially when Izzy was in the band. Izzy's a big Stones guy. Yeah, Izzy was kind of the, uh, the torchbearer of that uh, particular sound.
1: Um changed a bit after he left but yeah I, we had a great time talking with uh, brando and I, I know you did as well i know it was something uh, you were looking forward to particularly
2: yeah sorry brando it
1: took so long for this to come out yes but that uh, doesn't diminish the quality we're really uh, happy with the way things turned out and we hope you guys enjoy it and uh, definitely some uh, big episodes on the horizon some things to look forward to we don't want to let the cat out of the bag too Two early
2: very interesting interviews
1: yes yes and some uh, some great folks that uh, i know some of you have been uh, hoping we'd have on so and uh one individual that's going to be a very pleasant surprise, uh, to say the least. Yep. So uh, we hope you enjoy those when they come out. And more importantly, we hope you enjoy our interview with Brando. And here it is.
2: So we're really happy today to have uh, Brando from the Appetite for Distortion podcast.
4: Thank you, David. Uh, Ian, I appreciate you guys just reaching out. It's it's weird not to be in the head seat controlling it. So, <laughs> you know, being on the other side of the microphone, so to speak, is, you know, we'll see where it goes, because I'm not as big of a Black Rose fan as the GNR fan, but I am a fan regardless.
2: Well, the walk us back a little bit, because I went back and listened to your very first episode the other night. And uh, if I remember correctly, you were born in 1983,
4: right? Wow, <laughs> you did your homework, sure, yeah. All right, it so
2: was. I'm I was born in '76. I'm a little bit older than you. And Ian, you were born in what? 80, 81, 81. Okay. So, um, kind of, how did you become a Guns N' Roses fan? Because I I've been into music since I was like seven years old, and like I can tell you the mile marker on what highway i was at when i first heard guns and roses sweet child of mine like that's how sure. much it's ingrained in my memory but you would i was like 11 or 12 you would have been like four or five
4: right right when that
2: came out so how did you become such a big gnr fan because you're you were a little bit late to the game as far as you know
4: when they originally came out sure and that's something i discuss on the podcast with people younger than me recently i had a Uh, I do segments where I have listeners come on tell their stories, and he, 21 year old, that discovered them from Chinese Democracy. But of course, I talk about I've met people who met GNR, you know, as they were coming up. So all sorts of uh, uh, angles at it. But for me personally, I kind of oddly grew up listening to the radio, and my dad putting on classic rock radio, and that's how I kind of discovered what I liked, what I didn't like. My dad listened to classic rock, my mom listened to doo wop and oldies. So I do like a lot of that as well, and then they were maybe my, my first you no know, love as far as a band. You know, I would hear "Welcome to the Jungle" on the radio. I would hear "Paradise City," "Sweet Child of Mine," all awesome songs. But for my age group, it was Nirvana. You know, that was I remember when uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit" first hit MTV. So you're right; it's it's uh, with Gene Hart's different. So oddly enough, I. I was hanging out with just like kids and and like a couple of my good friends in middle school, and they listened to a ton of of Guns N' Roses. They were my age, but they had older siblings, and I'm the oldest of four. So I had only my my parents to learn from. So they had GNR, and I remember when CDs, yeah, we went with the the transition from cassette to CDs. So I'm not that young, I guess. I remember cassettes. I just asked um, my friend Mike, what Guns N' Roses album should I get? Like, what songs do you like? And it's, of course, all the songs in the radio. Most of the songs in the radio are Appetite for Destruction. So that was the first one that I got. And I loved it. I got to get more. And and November Rain being my favorite song, I had to get The Illusions. And it just started from there. And uh, I'm not going to play it up because I was... uh, And I I still am, even though I'm engaged. I'm still very awkward around women. I'm just a very awkward person. But I was dating this girl at a time. This was uh, maybe my... Uh, sophomore year of college and she was obsessed with like hair metal and then Guns N' Roses and she was my age and she's like, don't make fun of me I'm like, no, no, I want to know more <laughs> about it because I loved when MTV, because again, I remember when I played music, uh, VH1 as well, They would have those top 100 rock songs of all time, top 100 rock bands of all time, all these great lists I feel like there's a great wealth of my knowledge comes from those lists just wanting to learn more about that era of music and being, and reading the dirt from Motley Crue and just, uh, she was obsessed with GNR and just sitting down with her watching Welcome to the Videos and just uh, my first time seeing all the videos in a row. My mind just being blown. And I'm still dating this girl and we have a mutual now, mutual is getting me into GNR. And it's 2002. And if you remember 2002, you know, uh, that's when they came back. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the, the time where, the, you know, the internet was not new, but there were a lot of newish things like online um, forums dedicated to bands and downloading music. And that was around the time the the, the leaks were coming out before Chinese democracy. So there was a lot of uh, just intrigue around the band, you know. And I think there was something about that more than any of my current bands because my first love was probably Green Day. But they changed a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Guns of Roses changed a lot, but I think maybe act There was something uh, still at the core of Guns N' Roses that didn't change, that being Axel. That I'm like, oh, this is my band. It D- didn't matter. I mean, I know about the Civil War. I know about dinosaurs. I know about things before me, you know. <laughs> so I can- So that's that's kind of how it happened. But yeah, it, it's. Um, I often think about that. Like, why isn't Nirvana my? Why aren't Why aren't I doing Nirvana podcasts or even? Lincoln Park, because that was probably the ballpark of my high school. I don't know. Maybe my dad did play me, Sweet Child of Mine, you know, when I was real young and I don't remember. My mom does tell me all about, when, about playing uh, Wham for me when I was two. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, Wake thanks. You up
2: before you go, go.
4: <laughs> Apparently, I would dance to that all the time when I was two years old. <laughs> Something my mom likes to remind me of all the time. Well, let me uh,
1: let me dial back to something you mentioned before you had said Sure. Somebody, I said a lot of things. Somebody you had mentioned that uh, you, you had spoken with somebody that had gotten into Guns N' Roses by listening to Chinese Democracy and that, that's kind of surprising to me cuz it, it's when you when you would think of of Guns N' Roses you typically would think of those earlier albums and that that would be a jumping off point. Uh, do you do you encounter a lot of people that got into Guns N' Roses yeah.
4: via Chinese Democracy? I do now because yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. Not before, not at all. I was the person my friends made fun of for having Guns N' Roses be my favorite band, because they were, you know, to them a joke. Axel, of course, he's he's different. Comes back with uh, long braids and jerseys and you know this bucket head. I, I had never heard of him before. I'm a huge fan now. I'm glad he was in Guns N' Roses, but yeah. it's, at the time there was a lot to to make fun of if you wanted to make fun of it. I obviously loved it but you, you just find those people that really latch on to that that album who love that album and those players and i don't know if it's, if it's the same in the black rose community where you just it's just something at that time of your life where oh, wow i almost broke into the song uh it's the, <laughs> it, it's the time of your of your your life where the music is like so if you had a big year like for me in 2002 with you know my my then girlfriend and like that band meant something for uh, that that album meant something for me. You know when it when it finally came out in uh, 2008, I think I was I was living up in Cape Cod for my first radio gig and playing uh, getting to play Chinese Democracy on the radio. You know like there was just a lot of things that meant something to me, but I was a fan beforehand. And I've learned to there's always that battle between the uh, the old timers and the new. You now, that's not going to roses, but you know. They were a more fan friendly, uh, interactive band, and they 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 were you know, seemingly like actively making new music. there so there's cases to put your heart into both, but again, you know when were you born? Right, <laughs> you, can't right. control, you can't control that. You know? How many people love the Be- I love the Beatles. You know, I I didn't see them. Thankfully, yeah. I've seen Ringo. You know, one of the last concerts I got to see before the world exploded uh but yeah yeah, it's it's,
2: it's interesting how you know you get that mark i think we talked on another podcast i specifically remember going to get the illusion albums i was like i don't know 14 15 i didn't have enough money to buy both cds they're like 21 22 (laughs) dollars so my my friend joe he bought one i bought the other we went home we taped them and then we swapped you know we we each had it and i was Mm. so excited because i'm one of the weird people like i love appetite for destruction but I think the illusion albums are genius, and I know they are. that's. I know, but I know amongst a lot of people that's that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> and when Chinese Democracy came out, I hated it. Like I couldn't make it through the first listen. I went to Best Buy where you had to you know go to buy it. Mm-hmm. But in the last couple of years, I have grown. There's like six songs that I think on there I think are fantastic. Uh, and then like Madagascar, it's one of my favorite Guns and Roses songs. Absolutely love that. That album has really grown on me. But there's something about Appetite for Destruction that that some people can't move on from. And this is where I think we start tying into Black Crows a little bit, the way kind of the fan bases are. Obviously, Guns N' Roses sold way more albums than Black Crows have. But the Black Crows' first album was their best-selling one. Guns N' Roses' first one was the best-selling one. The Black Crows, a lot of fans are you know can't move on from the classic lineup with Mark Ford. A lot of the Guns N' Roses fans can't couldn't move on from when it was just axle you know and, and people have these lineups that they prefer but what do you think it is about appetite for destruction that some fans can't move on from do you think it's a nostalgia thing
4: partially or, but it, you can also say that that's that's was their first impression of what the brand guns N' roses is and that's always the case whether it's the first album the first movie you make you're you're branded you know uh First, you're, you're Urkel. You're always Urkel. Whatever <laughs> you white wants to do, I don't know if that's the best analogy or whatever. But that's, that's the essence of what Guns N' Roses is. You think of Welcome to the Jungle. I go back to what I said before with the, the songs I was familiar with before I bought my first CDs were the ones on the radio. So that's what you identify with mo- most. And you don't think of, you know, even though November Rain is my personal favorite song, Maybe it, may it being too orchestral for you or too grand, you, you're, you like that dirty, down-dirty rock, and anything else, anything more than that is not what you had initially signed up for. But that's just not you know, life. That's not reality. And if, you, and if that's the case, if you just like Appetite, which people like to say – I think people who just say Guns N' Roses only had one good album are the same people that say The Beatles are overrated – or just people who are trying to like have a hot take for having a hot take, you know, purposes just to kind of get comments and arise. Because, I mean, come on. Like you said, the illusions are brilliant. They really are. Like what kind of what double album can you is up there with that that is like synonymous that you know, there are cultural references you know, to that all the time. So it's, it's what they did. And I will never say I'm glad it's not one album. I'm glad it's two. So it's uh and in, in with Chinese it, I've said uh, I don't know if I said it in that first episode, it took me three listens to get it. I think I you know, uh, Chinese democracy the way it it led off was great, you know the the first song and everything. But the first time I heard If the World, which was like that James Bond theme, I remember mm-hmm. listening in my 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 headset just going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> You know, just like, what was that with these falsetto guitars coming in? And, you know, but I got through it, I'm like, no, I got to give this a chance. I got to get past this. And I told, like I said, three times I gave it. And I love it now. Just the songs through it, like there were songs that grabbed me right away that I knew I had to hang out with. Like uh, There Was a Time or Prostitute, you know, Madagascar, um, Street of Dreams. And these were songs and an album I invested myself in. With these leaks, you know all these years of hearing about this, and this was my chance to rub it in everybody's face. But it, it's still a great record. It's interesting to hear Slash and Duff playing these album of these songs now. Well, that's but, what I was
2: going to ask you. I've got two random questions about that
4: album. Sure.
2: I have read that Street of Dreams was possibly around right toward the end before they broke up, and it was called the Blues, and that Slash may have played on a version of it. Have you heard that or
4: is that? It was called the blues before that okay. I know. Yeah. That I, I had a leak of, you know, and, and there I'm one of many a GNR fan that it'll, it'll forever be the blues to me. Mm-hmm. But the slash thing, I don't think he had any, uh, that would be the first that I've heard that.
2: Okay. Have you heard any, cause I was, you can, you can hear hints of it, but I've always heard that if this album would have come out when he started on it, it would have been much more nine inch nails than, it would have been much more industrial. Have you heard any of like, the more industrial versions of these songs, or do they exist?
4: There are ones that are... I, I don't know if you want to call them Nine Inch Nails, but they're very experimental. Like you, If you listen to Shackler's Revenge, they're mm-hmm. like kind of like that and more You know, for what's out there. There's not too much out there that... Uh, and these are like these other song leaks that are... Ble- <laughs> it's the only way you get new music from this band. Right. Uh, are these... <laughs> And that's a whole other conversation you know, with, uh, with, with song leaks, but at least you know it exists, I guess, for, if anything, that there's a lot of instrumentals out there. There's a few that he does lyrics over, but now I just feel weird listening to it because it's like, you just don't know if it's... I don't know what it is. I don't know what these, these things aren't finished. But yeah, they're, they're not... Maybe there's one that's out there uh, that there's a very strong fan confirmation that, uh, that the song Hard School was uh rehearsed and was on a, a set list and that was as pretty straightforward rock as i've heard which and what i like but a lot of it's chinese leftovers <laughs> they could call it honestly
2: so none of those songs on chinese democracy had any connection to when slash and duff were in the band is that right is that what you're saying
4: not that i recall no i, I think what would have been with the uh, with slash became snake pit okay you know, and he was he was just so far out of the band at that time. And uh, this was, I think, around the time where Mark Ford, I guess, allegedly uh, well, not allegedly. He said it. Uh, he auditioned or was asked to audition for the second time, which quick sidebar. I love the way that I interviewed Mark Ford before you. And he decides to tell the Guns N' Roses news to you guys. So congratulations. <laughs> Hey, so sorry I'm glad about that. That, that it <laughs> happened. Uh, no, it's great when you ever you see your podcast go. Uh, and I'm glad, I was just thinking, why? Like, why didn't you you tell me that? I went out of my way because I'm like he's probably been asked this question a million times. No, I'm just I want to make it like all philosophical. Like, you know, do you what do you play? What if? I'm like I don't. I want to be different. And he just tells you guys like, I should just be a, <laughs> just ask these people real like his questions. Like, cut. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So, we had sorry, always, I've been harboring that.
2: <laughs> we had always heard, you know, the Izzy thing when um, they were, you know, down the hall, and and he would already signed on with right. the Crows, and nobody knew it. But I mean, we were just as blown away. He was so casual. He's, you know, he's like, actually, I was, in, you know, asked twice to join that band once with that album that took Axel so long. Uh, um, maybe
4: I, I, I jarred his memory, but I think that's when they had um, Richard Fortus, and I, I think they were, you know, Slash and Duff were gone at that time. He's had those songs for a while, right? You know, late 1999, if not earlier.
2: If he would have joined in '92, I, I don't know how he and Slash would have. I mean, they're both great guitar players, but Mark's a lead guy. You know, he's not a rhythm guy, and Slash is obviously a lead guy. Right. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, I think Mark Ford can play anything he wants to, but I, I don't. I don't know how that would have worked out.
4: I think it played out the way it was meant to, because Gilby. And it's, I'm one of those people that I, I believe Gilby belongs in the Hall of Fame. I know he wasn't on, on Appetite. Like, I know. But for him to step in and to fill that role for Izzy, and yeah, as great as Mark Ford is, could he have filled that role in the same way, to know his specific place in the band on that tour, which is the most infamous, if not one of the most infamous tours right. of all time? And you know, all that Er, earns uh gilby a badge of honor which should be the rock and roll hall of fame so could mark have done that Sure. who would or any of us to say that he can't but that's what i hear that mark's kind of a uh, kind of a, a beat he beats to a little bit of a, a different drum like he might just want to do his own thing so he might not have wanted he might have been like izzy he? he's like eh, i'm out
1: i don't know it's it's probably very true i mean aside from the fact that uh he shared the Guns N' Roses info with us instead of you. That The interview, the, <laughs> the interview you did with him was fantastic. It really was a great interview. Oh, thank you. And it was very different from what he did with us. So it's 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 interesting what he decides to share at those particular
4: moments. And I love that because I, I, I'm i sure you are the same way because a lot of these guys get asked uh, the, the same question all the, all the time. And, of course, they have something to promote. Let's talk about that. And there are things that you – you have to talk about, I guess. How do you have the specific guest and not mention this whatever, you know, big topic there is. But you try to be as creative as possible. So, no, I, I appreciate that uh, having you know, the opportunity to interview Mark, and it was it was like three years ago. As I'm reading this thread on my GNR uh, forum, one of the forums I follow about Mark Ford, uh, that that uh, news that you guys broke, that um, what like, Izzy was like the rumor about Izzy was like maybe asked to join the Black Crows. But somebody and I, I totally forgot this when I, because when I interviewed Steve Gorman, it was like three years ago that he debunked uh, that rumor that didn't happen. So uh, I got a chance to interview Steve, you know, early on in the podcast, which was great. I, I worked with him once. He's not. I don't think he's a sports talk show host anymore, right? Uh, it's think, it's a it's a music radio show he's got. Yeah. So when he was on Fox Sports, so. The, the the radio job I, I do get paid for, I don't get paid for doing GNR stuff. That's just my own nerddom. Uh, so, Fox Sports is based in, out in LA, and a lot of their radio hosts, you know, pre COVID would come out here, you know, uh, before Zoom. I guess they're not going to be doing it any, anymore since you can do radio anywhere you want, but come to our studios and use them. And they would need a board up, and sometimes I would be that board up. So, there was one time that Steve Gorman came in. It's like Steve Gorman the Black Crows. I I didn't know he did sports radio, and he was so. This is before I even did my podcast, so I was. I think that I used that. Um, like, hey, we worked together once. Angle to interview him. That he would just come in between every break. He would just because we were two uh, between a pane of glass in that specific, uh, specific studio. He would just come into my studio, just hang out, just talking about the Crows, about growing up. You know how the band started. I'm not even asking. I'm not even really asking him. He's just <laughs> <laughs> not that he's like bragging about anything, but he's just I don't know. He was like a, a friend that I've had for such a long time, and just it's not on the air. It's not pre-recorded. I'm not again. I don't have this podcast at the time. And I'm not trying to sell anything. He was just a really cool dude. So to have him on the on the podcast was a uh, also a good experience.
1: Yeah. Well, he's one hell of a hey. storyteller. So you know.
4: Yeah, just and and natural and what I. I guess I've learned to love about myself, and I love about GNR is just the you embrace the flaws and all. So right off the bat, even though I wrote down uh, Trigger Hippie, his band, I wrote Trigger. uh, I said Trigger Happy, and he's like, and I'm like Trigger Happy. Happy, he's like Hippie. (laughs) I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I have it written down. I'm just an idiot. I'm like, I'm gonna keep it so everybody knows. He's like, all right, good. Let's move on. And another uh, interesting thing, I never got a chance to interview uh, Rich Robinson, but uh, something else that I do for my radio job are, is what's called a, uh, a radio tour. So if you guys, I don't know if you listen to morning radio at yeah. all, these are interview setups specifically like, meant for morning radio. So if you hear an author, a movie, you know, an actor, and a musician get interviewed on morning radio for like seven minutes or whatever, chances are it, it might be with us. You know, and what we do is we schedule within a two-hour period, increments of seven minutes, ten minutes, you know, sometimes twenty, whatever. So I did that with uh, it was over the phone. So Try and meet him, uh, Rich Robinson. So it was like I'm just on the phone with him for two hours while he's talking to all these different stations, uh, just uh, interviewed over and over again. And this was uh, with Magpie's uh, salute coming mm-hmm. out. So it's a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And Everyone, of course, is asking them. See, like I said before, sometimes you just don't want to ask the obvious questions. They get asked all the time, especially when they're doing interviews back to back to back. Everybody's asking, of course, will you ever get back together with your brother? Will you ever make music with Chris again? And he was like so angry and adamant. Like, no, I will never make music with him again. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Don't ever Ever. say never. I know. It happened. (laughs) Same thing with... uh, with Axel and Slash, not in this lifetime, but it happened in this lifetime. So that was – he was a very nice guy, but that was just an interesting uh, – exp- it was a cool experience and then interesting to see that they reunited or he and his brother reunited after he said that. <laughs> By the way, that
1: – not in this lifetime, a best name for a tour I think I've ever heard. It's, you know.
2: it's great. I know. One of the interesting things we learned in Steve Gorman's book is that he went out and played with Slash and Duff. It wasn't Velvet Revolver, but I think he went out there for a couple of weeks, and then got the word the crows were getting back together. I think he would have fit in. I think he I think he would have fit in with them great. His style of playing.
4: It was like when he first moved. I think it was when he like first moved to L.A. and like Slash just like knew that he was moving there, right? And like he just reached out to him and just wanted to jam. It was like him and they did it for the. I hate that that uh, Steve doesn't remember the name of the bassist that they jammed with. But eventually they brought in Duff. Yeah, and Steve's like, you know, what's going on here? But (laughs) I think what happened is what they had uh, the Randy Castillo uh, tribute concert Mm -hmm. event after he passed. uh, That's when they reconnected with Matt Sorum, and then they just decided to go that route. And yeah, so he was like the unofficial first drummer for the unnamed project that would be. So it's it's really cool. That's what I love about doing my podcast. All these little. Uh, six degrees of Kevin, G and R Bacon kind of <laughs> connect. And I want to say, because again, it was three years ago, and I've, I don't have that many brain cells left. Uh, I want to say when he first moved to L.A. that he was almost sold Gilby Clark's house. Wow. I feel like that was one of the stories that he told.
2: Well, he actually you know has said that they were asked to do go on the uh, Metallica tour. They were asked to be the opening band. And, you know, they said, no, we
4: want to go and do theaters and small arenas.
2: But that it was Faith No More, right, that got that spot?
4: Yeah, it was Faith No More and uh, Body Count, uh, I believe, did some dates as well. But it was primarily Faith No More. I didn't know Body Count did <laughs> dates with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's, again, one of the six degrees of G&R Bacon. So I've had Ernie C, the uh, guitarist on for right. a couple of times, who has been to, like, Duff's wedding. and It's just these things, I didn't know that. I guess... Whatever excuse I can use to interview somebody cool, like Steve Gorman or Mark Ford, I guess follow that Guns N' Roses uh, North Star and I just connect. And you find these really weird, random stories sometimes.
2: Well, let's talk about your podcast for a little bit. Sure. Uh, you've, you've got a ton of episodes out there, um, <laughs> and I, 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 just, I love it. I mean I'm going back and listening to the back catalog, and and I love, like you said, how you work that Guns N' Roses angle. How did the podcast get started?
4: You know, I started in – I always knew because growing up, I would be something in in media, but I thought it, I, I I loved sports. I think more than music growing up. But in college, I just uh, to kind of condense a story, you know, I just felt you know they had a great radio station at uh, at Hofstra. You being a Long Island guy, uh, Ian, you know, uh, Hofstra has a great radio station. Yeah. Man, and I fell you know a metal show that I did every Thursday night, the Aggressive Edge. I loved it. You know, this is what I want to do. And, and in college, by the way. It started in, in college. I was Brando the Commando. <laughs> <laughs> the Commando stays in college. Uh, so I just followed that route of on air, which is a very tough one, you know. Especially nowadays, it's, you know, radio was it was if it was, it, was, it was teetering or not. I don't want to say teeter it was changing. That's the better word. It was changing when I was going into it. But I got a an on air gig in Cape Cod, and then I I went to Poughkeepsie, and I went out to. In Long Island, uh, Ian, you know, Ron Concoma. Then I was at WBAB for a bit, and mainly like a lot of part time, you know, stints like that. And I had some podcast experiments and not really understanding. I'm like, a podcast. I'm like, that's, what is that? I'm like, as, again, as somebody who, and I, I preface it actually because uh, we all do podcasts now, it's, it's, it's a different world. But at that time, I'm thinking podcasts, internet radio. That's for people who aren't doing overnights, who aren't driving. Know two hours from Brooklyn, where I was living at one point, from uh, Brooklyn to Poughkeepsie in the middle of like Hurricane Irene to do, you know, uh, an afternoon uh, classic rock sh- uh, shift, you know, for minimum wage. You know, it's I had a different mindset on my like, radio. And then just um, over the years, as people I met just throughout my radio journeys. Uh, a friend of mine, Ian, who I Technically, I guess worked with at SiriusXM, but I never met him at SiriusXM because he worked at a different department. But we met at a Guns N' Roses concert <laughs> at Roseline Ballroom before it closed. So we we became friendly, and he texted me one day. He's like, Why don't we do a Guns N' Roses podcast? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, they're my favorite band. What am I gonna do? Like, what am I gonna say? Like, oh, I love November Rain. Yeah, Axl Rose, I love him. Like, well, how? I don't. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Uh, he's like. Let's just try. It's all about getting guests. So let's just, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And this was before the reunion. So as like that's happening, you know, the first episode we're talking and like an hour and a half goes by. As you guys, I'm sure know. Absolutely. I tell all my guests I'm like a half an hour goes by like that. You know, I initially just wanted to do half an hour. He's so like, telling you, it goes by quick. And you know, I wanted people to hear it. Because there's everyone and their mother has a podcast or, or, or something online, for, you know. And I, I wanted to earn something, so but it was nice to see right away there was a reaction. I'm like, how do people find you? you no, know, uh, being on the radio, they put on the radio. Right. How do people find these podcasts? Again, this is, the podcast industry has grown so much over the past few years. So I'm not even talking that long ago, where it really was like this. It just, I just didn't think it was, you know, I, I felt like let's just enjoy, let's see where it goes, you know, I guess. Because at the time, you know, I was doing on-air stuff part-time. This was just a new venture. Let me try it. And he said my friend was making money off it. I'm like, okay, this is a real thing. He's not trying to sell me uh, uh, snake oil or something like that. Let's let's see where this goes. And early on, we got some cool guests. You know, I think by I mean, just for me, even though it's not a big name, to interview Anthony Boza, who co wrote uh, Slash's autobiography, to me, that was cool. Yeah. I don't know. That, that I was like, all right, you know, he's a legit author. You no, know, this is something, this isn't just two nerds talking about GNR. And by episode, you know, then we had um, Charlie Benanti, mm-hmm. uh, and we just scheduled that through Twitter. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, okay. Maybe there's something I really don't get here. And then just knowing of, just trying it with the creativity of of where to go each episode and the kind of guest. And my friend Ian, uh, it became like hard for him to do it. I guess because I lived, you know, I guess when we were both on Long Island, it was fine. But when I was primarily working in the city and he was in Long Island, he just couldn't do it anymore. So around episode, he's like, he, he gave me a, a good notice, but I said to myself, I either have to commit, like do this, or that's it. And I had interviewed by you know, almost 40 episodes in, enough cool people and had met enough cool people online and seeing the reach, I'm like, you know what? This isn't really costing me anything. This is a really nice fun little hobby. I'm going to I'm going to go in. I'm going to go all in. And the next episode I did by myself with episode 40 was with uh, Slash's son. Oh, cool. <laughs> I interviewed uh his former band. Uh, I reached out to and there's still a band, uh, Classless Act. And I I saw that that broke news somehow, and all I did, when I write professional emails, was email the website their uh, their website, and the, they responded, and it happened. His his slash had to approve, you know his his mom had to approve because at the time they were 15. Oh wow! And I'm like, look at where I'm going, like um, this is this is making me feel good. So and now it's like almost like 250 episodes, you know, oh. and just. Trying to get creative with it and also maybe you guys deal with the same. It's like we're not just – yeah, it's black crows. Yeah, this is where – if you like the black crows, hang out here. But there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So I do my best to, again, use the six degrees of G.R.R. Bacon or whatever dumb phrases I make. Uh, Look at life through guns and rose-colored glasses. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, or uh, my guns and roses-themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast. That's what I call it (laughs) sometimes. This has become already become more than I ever thought. Right. Really, whether or not I make money off this at some point, whatever. That, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. But it, it's uh, it's become hard. To, I have to get creative with booking guests, and I have to be honest. Why don't you get this person on? Like, why don't I get Bumblefoot on? He has very politely told me no several times. Right. Even though he was my very first radio interview ever in my career. He is a really nice guy. He's a Brooklyn Jew, just like me. I've met him a couple times. I met him uh, at one of the GNR shows I, met, I went to where I was like the only one who recognized him. He was talking to like the security guard at the side rail before the show. And the security guard goes, anybody recognize you yet? And me being the geek that I am, I'm like, bumblefoot. <laughs> so, like, he's a great guy. But there's just something with him and GNR, even though I offer to other people, because I don't know if you've done the same. Hey, Mark uh, – uh, Mark Ford was a pretty open book, but is there something that you don't want to talk about? Let's focus on this. You know, I'll slash. I'll just talk about horror movies with you. stuff I'll just talk about the Seattle Supersonics with you. you know, I'll just talk about certain things, but there's a certain aura, so I have to get creative. Otherwise, this GNR podcast would have ended before it started. Right. It would have been like kind of like Guns N' Roses. What am I doing? So I have to get creative with my honesty. I have to get creative with uh, the type of guests that i have and yeah we will do of course guns N' roses really it's it's wall to wall you know we've done episodes focused about the you know fan experiences about the riots you know uh, to share their firsthand experiences so it's kind of it's it's a lot it's it's a lot it, again it all surrounds guns N' roses one way or another now when
1: you when you do interviews i, I found this doing uh, our show I actually find some of the, I don't want to, uh, perhaps not the not the right term to use, but for lack of a better term, fringe people. Like we had, for example, uh, a guy named Jeff Dunn on. Fantastic guy. He was one of their sound men for about 10 years. He happens to be Duck Dunn's son, who, uh, if you're not familiar with who Duck Dunn is, is like this legendary bass player. He's played on he's all in the Hall of Fame, record, yeah. Hall of Fame. So not only does he have great stories from a different perspective about being on tour with the band, but he's also been on tour with eric clapton and judas priest and you know his dad was who he was so he has all these great stories and but to see people's interactions and stories from from a different perspective than hey i was a member of the band is is kind of interesting because they see it in a different way and
4: shed a different light on it have you you had that same experience of course i think you need to to go for that i mean i don't know about you i mean every uh, drug sex and rock and roll story it's the same And we also look at it in a different light in 2020, 2021, you know, drug, sex, and rock and roll. Is it as cool (laughs) as it used to be, you know, for a lack of a better, a better phrase. So, you know, again, for someone like me, it's very hard to talk to get somebody because Guns N' Roses is such a very tight knit band to get those French people to get their perspective. Chances are they have a better story, right? No, just because you're not, you know, Duff McKagan. I had this is just funny. I've had two of uh, Duff's brothers on, and I use the same philosophy uh, when I have listeners come on. So I, I have listeners come on in a variety of ways. They can either uh, I'll do a segment called uh, "Fan Obsession" instead of uh, "Bad Obsession." Come up hmm. with really stupid sound bites for the show. <laughs> I'll spare playing them on you, and your, uh, but it's where they get to talk about their love of GNR, you know, and how they developed and. and it ranges. It's not just somebody geeking over at GNR. They, they can, it means something, uh, and it's all over the world. Like somebody from uh, – one of the first ones I did was this guy from Ireland who – you know not to go into a too dark of a place, but he would put Apathy for Destruction in his uh, cassette and go hide under his bed while his parents would fight. You know meant, That meant something to him, so they hear those kind of stories. Uh, I still hear from uh, Tomislav from Croatia that fought in the Yugoslavian war. And he was in a jeep driving across a minefield, listening to Appetite, where he could die any second. That's unbelievable. So there are stories. Yeah, you're not going to hear that from. Yeah, I've had Dizzy Reed on, and he was great. But you're not going to hear that from Dizzy Reed. So you're going to hear that from French people. I I think those are some of my favorite guests.
2: We all have the same benefit of having an enlightened audience, because you're listening. You're listening to a Guns N' Roses podcast initially because you love Guns N' Roses. If you like Guns N' Roses enough to listen to a Guns N' Roses' podcast, you're you're going to want to hear from those kind of people. You know, you're going to want to nerd out, you know, like uh <laughs> like he, you know like he said, uh, you know, we've had all these people that work for the crows and their their stories are so fascinating and honestly get a huge pop from the people that listen to us. Yeah, those are really cool things. And and kudos for you for being able to get I mean, Dave you've had Dave Mustaine on. I mean, I would love to interview him.
4: Just been very lucky. I'm very lucky to be able to uh, to be able to do a podcast and to you know work in radio. Um, it's been almost like 20 years, you know. And and there are people, of course. Uh, I mean, I'm not anyone special. There are people famous, people who make a ton of money. But I've worked very hard to be in the position that I'm in. And the position that I'm in, I'm able to kind of combine with this project that I've I've done. So what sometimes when there's an opportunity to interview somebody, you know, like a Dave Mustaine it's just uh it's it's incredible or like a, a jim brewer where i'll make a connection where he's promoting you know he's doing like what i was telling you about those uh radio tours mm-hmm. you know and, and that's something that i work on you know uh there so that's how i kind of make these contacts you know there are people who come to like ringo star uh quote unquote came through the other day but it's like i'm not going to interview ringo star there it's they're coming through not for me you know i can uh to borrow a phrase for myself, like the Chinese leftovers. If there's an opportunity for me, great. If not, okay. <laughs> like Jim Brewer, there was an opportunity to interview him about like a new live album. We really hit it off because I was not I was the first, only one not talking to him over the phone because he was in studio. Everybody was calling in or using a, an ISDN if you're familiar. Yeah. And I worked there, so I was able to come in and we were face to face. And I was like, I love to talk to you again. Okay, contact so-and-so. And then next thing I know, I'm talk- Jimbo comes in, and I'm sitting down with him for an hour talking about Metallica, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. So I, I use whatever opportunities I have to, to its fullest extent. That's, that's something that I – so I'm, I'm lucky, and I'm lucky that I got Dave Mustaine on twice because the first time – this goes back to the honesty thing, Ian. <laughs> I was too nervous. I'm never going to be too cool. like, oh, I interviewed this person. No. Like half the time, I'm like, I'm, I'm nervous as hell. Uh so I got stuck and I like to be professional though at the same time. It's an interesting thing being nervous and being professional, you know, at the same time. So I I I wanted I like the natural progression of a conversation. You know, I don't like always like coming out of left field with something. I like to find a thread like G and R. I like to find that in my my daily conversations. So I, I got stuck on the word I wanted to connect David Stane with Slash to get to my stuff. Because I believe he was promoting the, uh, the Rust in Peace uh, reissue, or mm-hmm. a book. So, of course, I got to talk about that, and I got like seven minutes with him. So I wanted to go to Slash, and in my head, I was like, I want to think of like, how do you view Slash as a guitar player, So as your guitar player, your kind of peers, same age, blah, blah, and I'm, tr- I'm just trying to condense that. into like a couple words. And I said, do you admire Slash? You know, and he goes, "Stop! Like, do you do I admire Slash? Yeah, is that what you said? Do I admire Slash?" I was shit myself. <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, no, and I was honest. I'm like, sorry, Dave, I'm a little nervous. You know, I no, no. I'm like, do you uh, respect him? And like, you know, I'm like, I didn't mean to say the word admire. Oh, okay, no, it's no big deal. You know, but I got that that Dave was staying like, oh my god, he's gonna come through the phone and punch me. Yeah. Hello, me. <laughs> I know. But I had an, I had an opportunity again uh, just this past uh, September to interview again, just briefly. And uh, I, I, at the end of it, I got to tell him that story. And he was like the nicest guy on the planet. You know, I was a little less nervous knowing that I had a chance to redeem myself. But it's been uh, wonderful to be able to. I mean, I'm glad with, I'm happy with what you guys are doing because there are so many podcasts out there, not just in general. I talk about rock, talk about metal. That's great. More talk, music talk, the better. Right. But what makes you and I different? You know, other than yeah, we're all different people. Blah blah blah. We're all special. Our moms say that. But <laughs> the Black Crows. So I think when people discover you, you know, yeah, like, I mean, how, does, how, how do people not like the Black Crows? It's, it's you find that common thread. So like, can we see what that's about. And they listen to you, and they they figure out more things. So that's what what I want. You see my guest list. It's not just all Guns N' Roses people. Like right. I, right. No, Harry Shearer from The Simpsons. Oh, fantastic! I got, I got you know Sheila E. I got some like really random people on there too. But just know it's all GNR. And I said that at the beginning, and you know, I'll kind of cross over to the, uh, the Black Rose world. I'm like, I don't care if you're a metalhead or like a cheerleader. You know, a sweet child of mine. You know that song. Mm -hmm. At the very least. Chances are 99% you know Paradise said you welcome to the jungle as well. Like you know that. So I I, I noticed to go over the Black Rose, you could say the same thing because uh, at least for my age group, every single girl loved Hard to Handle. Every single girl, every single bar I went to, every time it came on, every girl was singing Hard to Handle. That was one of the rock songs like if you want to wanna be with a girl, you gotta like the Black Rose. (laughs) that's that's that was that was was kind of it you know i don't
2: know have you ever had jimmy ashurst on
4: yeah yeah it was great
2: yeah we had him on great guys got some great stories uh you know he was in a band with uh chris and mark short-lived band called uh big toe and foam foot and we we had him on you know and he had these great stories but izzy told us a great story about recording the second album and just all of a sudden izzy's gone And they're like on, well, they're in the Caribbean or somewhere, and yeah, somewhere remote. (laughs) And I'm like, so the where's Izzy Moniker? Definitely, uh, like he had to call the record company say Izzy's gone. Like I don't know where he is, you know. Wow. But yeah, it's it's great to interview those type of people, and 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 like you said, you you have an audience, and you can use that as a way to weave in and out of things. And uh, I mean, I like I said, it's become one of my favorite podcasts now. It's like you know, as soon as as soon as it pops up, you know, listen to it. It can be found pretty much everywhere, right? Everywhere that you find podcasts?
4: Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say, you know, iHeartRadio because, well, I'm, I'm being helped a little bit. I mean, I'm not getting paid or anything like that. It's, it's my own thing. I want to give support where I'm getting support. So you can find it on, like, iHeartRadio. You can find it on uh, Q1043.com or AlternativeNation.net. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, you can find it on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Uh, that's something that apparently I first discovered <laughs> ever since ever since the pandemic, because I'm such a, again, I'm a radio guy, a theater of the mind guy at heart, but I've learned. So a lot of these kind of interviews are on there. So, you know, and uh, I will say shout out to all the listeners, your listeners, who followed me after you just like tweeted me. So, no, no, that's cool. And I appreciate you guys having me on. And I wish I because I like the Black Rose. I, I I think I've learned to. Have you had Matt Wake on? I think that's a good. Oh guess yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah we had okay, him all right, cool. Because he's he's kind of helped my love with the Black Rose. You know yeah, along. he's a freak, man. He's a Black Rose freak. He's a good guy. He is absolutely because it's something as I've gone older, I have just learned to appreciate more and like take a seat back. I'm like, you know what? Here's a catalog I've ne- never really had the time to go back into, you know. And I think now is the time to do that, especially since there's not a lot of. Yeah. Great stuff on now. It's right. time to revisit some things. So, The Black Crows, yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, one of the things we like to do, Brando, at the end is uh, we'll throw a few rapid-fire questions out at you. You up for it? Great. Your yeah. favorite Guns N' Roses solo project?
4: Um, Probably Velvet Revolver, that first Velvet uh, record. I was fortunate enough to see them twice, which was just phenomenal. So your favorite... I don't know if that's rapid fire. Sorry, <laughs> that's
1: <fine. laughs> What's your favorite Guns N' Roses video?
4: Video, it's gotta be. I gotta stick to my my, my gun. Oh, my God. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> I'm I an I, I embarrassment to my family. Uh, November rain, probably. There's nothing
1: like it's seeing cliche. Slash
4: come out of that church playing that solo. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, for one, it just as a young fan, it just changed my life of what a video could be. My 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 view of what a rock video could be, what a rock song could be. And it just, it hit me. It really did. But if you just want to go for, you know, a quick one, uh, Garden of Eden with the fish on lens. That's a great, oh, that's, that's a real good cool one. one. Yeah. Yeah. All
2: right. So the illusion albums were known for having four or five epic songs. Scratch November rain. What's your favorite of the epics? Like, you know, strange, Coma, locomotive breakdown. It's pretty great. Oh, that's
4: All a right, good one.
2: So, I read that like Matt Sorum, like he couldn't get the drum parts down,
4: and like he, at one point he thought he was either going to get fired or quit. I may or may not have an opportunity to ask him that again. So we'll we'll yeah, see. Yeah. So know. if I have an opportunity to ask Matt Sorum again, I will talk to him about breakdown. We'll see.
1: Favorite Guns N' Roses guitarist not named Slash.
4: Buckethead. Uh, I th- it blew me away. I didn't understand what I was looking at. No, I remember being with my then girlfriend, being in my mom's den. Uh, but I'm like, is that? I'm like, that's not slash. Like what? Like what's what's what that that happened? So of course I I go on the hat the, the KFC bucket, and I'm on the forums and I learn about the guy, as much as you can learn about the guy, and then hearing his work on Chinese democracy, there was a time is it, it was one of the best guitar solos I've ever heard in my life. I mean, there's a few on there, but. Wow. I mean, for me, that song alone, it's like, okay, I could see why this took 15 years <laughs> in a way. You know, it's like, it's just wow. So, and I was lucky to see uh, Buckethead at BB uh, King's Blues Club before it closed here at, in New York City. And I don't know if I would do that for another guitarist, just sit there and watch them. Just, I mean, he didn't have much of a setup. You know, he came around and passed out toys, you know, <laughs> little, little, little severed heads. So it's a, uh, so yeah, buckethead. All right,
2: last thing we let our guests choose a playout song. It can be by anybody you want. So does it have to be like a Guns N' Roses song? It can. I Man, if you want it to be Yanni, it can be Yanni.
4: <laughs> no, let's just do it. Let's just stick with GNR. That's that's what I am. Do uh yeah all right all right you gotta find it all right. Uh, Corn Shucker, by Guns N' Roses. Alright, Okay. Do you know that song? Do not. Do not. But I'll find it. <laughs> you guys will be pleasantly surprised I I think it's been maybe played live once you know so it's uh, cool
2: well we do want to thank Brando for coming on Uh, I cannot recommend Appetite for Distortion enough it is a great podcast great guest cool vibe Uh, we really appreciate him taking some time out here on a Saturday night Uh, he could be doing other things but we appreciate it Brando we hope to have you on again soon at some point you
4: know Cool so,
2: here we, here we are to play us out, Guns N' Roses with Corn Shucker. Stay tall, everybody.
0: My heart is full of love for you. I want to get right next to you. She's a corn shucker, real buck bucka. Gonna watch my dick as I am a buck bucka. Corn shucker, real buck bucka. Gonna stick my dick. Right up her ass She's a Real butt fucker Gotta watch my dick As I make a butt fucker Corn trucker Real butt fucker Sink my dick <laughs> Right up her ass Give me a dime I gotta cut my pimp When I heard her back It made me go limp So please let her My sex life is trapped Instead of a wham All I had was a snap So if you sleep, You better think I'll buzz Cause you got a dick Like little ones. She's a corn i watch my dick as yes, I a motherfucker Don't chuck a real motherfucker Wah, hey, 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 hey Ooh, yeah! yeah. You to a, it, yeah like it to a I like back door She's a gone chugger Real butt fucker Gonna watch my dick as I make a butt fucker Gone chugger I make a butt fucker. down, Get right stick, so. my dick way up her ass chugger, right buck, that that dick. Dick. make a gone, chugger. Real get a Real a make a fucker. gone, One time, she's a real butt my as a motherfucker fucker. Go on, chugger. Chugger. real fucker. Stick my dick real She's a motherfucker, <laughs> Four. Now lick it.